Amen. Well, you can be seated. If you would so indulge me. Yes? Yes. Uh, I was just reminded of this hymn when I was, um, when we were playing the worship service and um, this song. So if you know it, you can sing along with me. I can't hear you, so I think we turned you off. Hey, there we are. Tis so sweet to trust in Jesus just to take him at his word just to rest upon his promise just to chapter 8. We're going to open there. And so if you have your Bible this morning, I invite you to open it up and turn there. Or if you use apps, you know, whether you use the Bible app or whatever, you can do that. Here's a thought that you may have never considered. Church is a great place to bring your Bible. You know, there may be places that you would go in this world that a Bible would feel inappropriate or maybe not fit in just right. But you can rest assured that you can always bring your Bible to church. And so no one's going to look at you strange if you have a book in your hand when you come here. I know I use the electronic um, all the time. And, um, you know, I like it except for when it comes to annotating. I like to write in my Bible. And you can do that in the app, but then you have to click another button in order to see what you've written. And I like to just see it right there. So whatever works for you. Um, it'd be great if you have a Bible. If you don't have a Bible, we do have some that we can provide for you. You can just uh, rush Eli after the service. He'll make sure that you get... <laughs> you like that? Romans chapter 8. Um, I'm reading this out of the message translation, and so you may not be able to follow along exactly, but it says, that's why we can be so sure that every detail in our, li- in our lives of love for God is worked into something good. God knew what he was doing from the very beginning. He decided from the outset to shape the lives of those who love him along the same lines as the life of his son. The son stands first in the line of humanity he restored. We see the original and intended shape of our lives in him there. After God made that decision of what his children should be like, he followed it up by calling people by name. After he called them by name, He set them on a solid basis with himself. And then, after getting them established, he stayed with them till the end, gloriously completing what he had begun. So, what do you think? With God on our side like this, 
How can we lose? If God didn't hesitate to put everything on the line for us, embracing our condition and exposing himself to the worst by sending his own son, is there anything else he wouldn't gladly and freely do for us? And who would dare tangle with God by messing with one of God's chosen? Who would dare even point a finger? The one who died for us, who was raised to life for us, is in the presence of God at this very moment sticking up for us. Do you think anyone is going to be able to drive a wedge between us and Christ's love for us? There is no way. Not trouble, not hard times, not hatred, not hunger, not homelessness, not bullying threats, not backstabbing, not even the worst sins listed in Scripture. They kill us in cold blood because they hate you. We're sitting ducks, so they pick us off one by one. None of this phases us because Jesus loves us. I'm absolutely convinced that nothing, nothing living or dead, angelic or demonic, today or tomorrow, high or low, thinkable or unthinkable, absolutely nothing can get, us, get between us and God's love because of the way that Jesus, our master, has embraced us. Amen? Amen. There is so much that we could spend time on in that portion of Scripture talking about the never-ending, unchanging love of God. God just loves us so immeasurably that, you know, it's really tough to put into accurate words. I, I really love that song that we were singing this morning. But today's assignment is to talk about prayer and fasting and how that fits into our lives year after year. Prayer and fasting year after year. You know, prayer is such an important and consistent, powerful practice in our lives. Uh, we just prayed for our teachers and administrators and the kids up here, and that means something. That does something in the lives of those kids. When I was in youth ministry, um, there's an event that still goes on called See You at the Pole. This year, it is on September 26th, and um, Wednesday, September 26th, and we used to make an event at a see you at the pole. We would have a rally the day before, and then we would all meet together at the pole, and we would pray for the school year. And so that's really a time when the students get together, the students lead prayer, they circle around the flagpole at their schools, and they pray for their school year. Wow, what a powerful time it would be. You know, we'd have, you know, probably about 100, 150 kids out there all praying for the school year, you know, believing God to do some great things in their lives. And so, you know, it just goes to show that Christians don't have to back down quietly, but there are places that they can stand up and they can say, you know what, I'm a Christian. My voice will be heard not just by God, but by men also. And so I really love See at the Pole. It's a great event. And so many have said that the problem in our society today is that prayer was removed from schools. And I know that this next statement that I'll say will be controversial, but it's true nonetheless. The problem isn't that prayer was removed from schools. The problem is that we didn't teach our kids how to pray. Because I don't need an administrator to tell me I can pray. I don't need the principal to tell me that I can pray. I don't need the government to tell me that I can pray. I can pray all by myself without anyone's interference. I can open my mouth and be able to call upon the name of the Lord. I don't need government approval in order for me to pray. I can pray soft. I can pray loud. 
I can pray while I'm singing. I can pray while I'm dancing. I can pray while I'm doing whatever school activity I'm involved in. I can pray in the spirit. I can pray in my understanding. I can pray at any time that I want to. I can pray at any time. You know, in the scripture, Acts chapter 16, I believe it is, Paul and Silas are in prison, and it says about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and other prisoners were listening to them. I mean, they're in the worst possible situation. They're being beaten because they're preaching the gospel, and yet they are able to open their mouths and call upon God. They're able to open their mouths and call upon God. There is not a power in this world that can cause you to shut your mouth. Right? I know some husbands wish there was a power. I know there's some wives out there who really wish, oh God, if there's a power to get him to shut his mouth. But right? Nothing can make you shut your mouth. Nothing. And so if we had taught our kids to pray, then our kids could be sitting in their classrooms, and when they take their seats, they could go, dear God, I thank you for giving me this day of life and health and breath and strength. Help my mind to be ready to receive what I'm going to be taught today. They could pray for their teachers and say, dear God, help my teacher share the information that they have for me in a way that I'll be able to understand it and be able to, you know, learn it so that I can pass my tests and get good grades and, and do the things that you've called me to do in my life. They could pray quietly to themselves and not interrupt anyone and have the full force of heaven on their side. It's not about being allowed to pray. It's about praying. It's about praying, just opening your mouth and praying. You know, this summer, we've really had uh, <laughs> record numbers at the church um, uh, across the board. Record numbers in attendance, record numbers in giving, record numbers in the youth. I mean, just things are breaking out. And in a staff meeting a few weeks ago, we were talking about, okay, what was it that caused this to happen? And so, of course, you know, you say, well, we did this, we did that, we did whatever. Well, I sat and I said, you know what? Probably about the end of May, June, people, there was a, a calendar in the foyer out there, and people signed up for what day they were going to pray for our church. They signed up and said, I'm going to pray for the church on this day. I'm going to pray for the leaders of our church on this day. I'm going to pray in this way. And you know what? In a time when our church, you know, typically in the summertime, your numbers go down, our numbers have gone up. In a time typically when your offerings go down, we've been able to catch up on bills that we, maybe we fell behind on in the summertime. And so it's like, praise God, God is doing things. Why? Because the people prayed. Because people got together and they said, you know what, I'm going to pray for my church. I'm going to pray for the health of my church. I'm going to pray for the health of my pastors. I'm going to pray for the health of the people in my church. And then God was working in people's hearts and working in people's lives and calling the words of God to come alive. And when the word of God comes alive, things change, right? Once it goes from information to revelation, you can't steal that from anybody. You can't take it from anyone, and that's what prayer does. And so I've entitled this morning's message, It's More Than Food. It's more than food. Why? Because many times when you talk about prayer, the only thing people pray for is their food, right? That's the only time people may pray is over their food. And then even then, 
people get confused over prayer. You know, well, you know, do I just go yubba-dub-dub, thanks for this grub, yay, God? You know, what does it mean when I pray for my food? And so, you know, we have a little instructional video that's going to help you understand some, you know, do's and don'ts when it comes to prayer over your food. So uh, watch the screens for a moment. Today we're talking about pre-meal prayer. Very confusing subject. A lot of people don't know when to pray, what to pray for, how to pray, who prays. Hey, do you want me to, should I pray? You want to, should we pray? I don't know if, all very confusing. We're going to cover it all today. Let's get started. Chips and salsa. Sometimes they bring it to the table before you're even seated. There's no need to pray for that. Lots of people wonder about appetizers. Do you pray for them? Do you not pray for them? No prayer is necessary for an appetizer if you have entrees coming out later. Salad. That is the most confusing thing on the prayer continuum. If it's a side salad or an appetizer salad, no need for prayer there. Now, if it's a main course salad or you're bringing it out with the rest of everyone else's meal, that then is going to require some kind of prayer. But I put that kind of in a separate category. For the most part, when you're thinking about salads, just remember this. If it requires dressing, it doesn't require a blessing. Do I pray for coffee? No. Are you a psychopath? No one wants to be next to the person at Starbucks that's praying over a latte, you weirdo. Soup. Do you pray for soup? Do not pray for soup. It's only bowl-related soups. Anything smaller than that is always off the hook. I like to say if it comes in a cup, no need to lift up. Everyone knows if you order a hamburger, that's going to require prayer. But if you order sliders, that does not require prayer. It's a little glitch in the system a lot of people are not aware of. Potato skins, no prayer. Baked potato, prayer. Ask any Bible-believing Christian, they're going to have a different policy on fries. Some say never eat the fries. Some say eat as many as you want. Here's the policy on fries. Up to three fries is acceptable to eat prior to the prayer. That brings us to dessert. Always a very confusing situation. A lot of times people go out to a show, go to a movie. Hey, should we grab some dessert afterward? Yeah, let me get the creme brulee. I love cheesecake. Ugh. You don't need to pray for that because you've already prayed for your meal earlier in the night. Do you hold hands before you pray? That depends on your situation. If it's a personal family gathering, some close-knit Bible study of some sort, sure, a hold hand wouldn't be uncomfortable. Now, if you're on a Tinder date, that might throw off the mood a little bit. Most of the confusion surrounding pre-meal prayer comes from when to actually pray. Let me just say, on behalf of waiters, all over the world. Please pray when your waiter is not there. There's nothing worse than a waiter coming out with two full arms of fajitas and you're over there mid-prayer at Jabez. Like, what are you doing? Last but certainly not least, who at the table volunteers to lead the prayer? Lots of people say the man should lead the prayer. Why is that? I'm not sure. It's 2018. Maybe we should get that rule adjusted at some point in the near future. A lot of people operate under the most spiritual person at the table. They're going to be the one that should pray because that prayer is going to be the most powerful and effective. So if you got obviously a pastor, a missionary, even a Christian blogger of some sort, shoot, even a volunteer youth pastor, that prayer is going to be a little less effective, but it's still going to qualify. If you're just an average person sitting at the table with obviously more spiritual people around you, you're kind of off the hook because I feel like God would be like, hey, how come y'all didn't bless this meal? You'd be like, I don't know. Ask the pastor. He works for you. That was, of course, a joke, in case you didn't understand uh, from the people laughing. But yeah, uh, you know, John Christ is a great Christian comedian, and he has 
quite a way of making fun of Christianese. And so I, when I found that, I said I had to share that this morning. But really, prayer is about more than food. Prayer is about more than food. It's more than food, right? And fasting also. You know, we talked about prayer. Um, we're going to have our uh, 2019 theme. We've been talking about that um, what is going to be the theme for this year's fast? And, you know, what are we going to do this year? It starts its first um, Sunday in January. And so we've been talking about what are we going to do for that. And so immediately when you talk about fasting, people start thinking, oh, I'm going to miss out on that meal. I'm going to miss out on that meal. I'm going to miss out on that meal. Well, again, it's more than food. Look at your neighbor and say it's more than food. It's more than food. Prayer and fasting is about more than food. It's about more than food, all right? And I know even if your stomach's growling, it's still about more than food. And so this morning, I want to give us two simple definitions that I hope will help uh, give us um, some insight into what these two instances are. What is prayer, first off? What is prayer? Now, if you Google the term prayer, you get um, some words like a solemn request, a spiritual communication, a ritual, when really prayer is just talking to God. Prayer, simply put, is, talk, is talking to God. You know, all these other terms, you know, a spiritual communication, it makes it sound so formal. It makes it sound so, you know, rigid and stuffy and potentially unattainable. And, uh, you know, there's people who I know who speak professionally for a living. Uh, you know, I've been out to dinner with people who speak professionally for a living or, you know, maybe they are, you know, they lead meetings or whatever it is that they do, but they speak all the time. It comes to the food or it comes to any situation where it's time to pray. It's like, oh, okay, can you pray over, you know, the situation? <gasps> well, I can't pray. Well, why not? Well, I can't do that. You talk literally all the time. Why can't you pray? Well, I don't, I don't know what to say. Prayer is simply talking to God. You know, we've got this thing in our minds that, you know, we have to bring out the thou most holiest of holy gods. And, you know, we get this, this very formal idea of what prayer is in our mind. Where really, if you say y'all when you're talking to your family, then you might say y'all when you're talking to God. Right? If you, you know, however words typically come out of your mouth, that's how you talk to God. That's prayer. You don't have to put on some official, well, now I am praying to the most holy God. Yes, he is holy. Yes, he is the most holy. But he's not requiring you to change who you are to talk to him. He created you the way you are on purpose. Oh, my goodness. He created you to speak the way you speak on purpose. It wasn't an accident. You weren't an accident the way you are and your mannerisms and those things. That was done on purpose by this God who wants to hear from you. And so talk to him. Simply open your mouth and talk to him. And so um, prayer is talking to God. That's it. You can be official or you can be basic. Just talk to him. And so then what is fasting? If you Google the term fasting, then you get like this laundry list, like three pages long of fasting food, fasting food, fasting food, fasting food, fasting food, fasting food. And guess what? It's more than food. 
I, I know you might not have heard that before, but it's more than food. And so I like to define fasting like this. It's removing something from your life to make extra time for God. Removing something for your life to make extra time for God. A life with God is not one where all the joy and fun has been removed. You know, I have lived for God, and then not so much. And then I've lived for God, and then maybe not so much. And so in those times where I wasn't living for God, man, it was horrible, ridiculously bad. Man, those times when I was running after God, it was like literally the best time of my life. You know, why would you ever leave that? You know, we ask ourselves that question all the time. Why would you ever leave that? And so there's seasons when you need to remove something from your life so that you can spend extra time with God. Extra time. We already, we're assuming that you're already spending some time with him, but now we're going to spend extra time with him. And so that's why, you know, we look at fasting and people um, take away food so many times because food takes a lot of time. The prep work. And eating it, you know, takes a lot of time. So you're like, wow, I could cut out an hour, an hour and a half and spend that with God if I just didn't eat. And so that's why many times people use food um, for fasting. But it doesn't have to be that. I talked to a guy once and he said he had to lay off of Facebook. I said, why? He goes, because every time I open it up, I look at the clock and three hours has gone by. And I'm like, three hours on Facebook? But, you know, different strokes for different folks, as they say, right? And so I, it wouldn't be me. And so, you know, that, it made sense for him to lay aside Facebook so that he could spend some extra time with God. And so every person is different. It's just removing something from your life to spend time with God. And so prayer is just talking with God. Fasting is just removing something so you can uh, spend time with God. And so that sounds very easy. Sounds very simple. Then why don't people do it? Then why don't people do it? Well, that's what I'm going to spend the rest of my time on here this morning, is why don't people pray and fast? Number one, they don't know God. In Acts chapter 17, verse 22, uh, we have Paul talking here, and he says, Paul then stood up in the meeting of Areopagus and said, People of Athens, I see that you are, re- in every way, you are very religious. For I walked around and looked carefully at your objects of worship, I even found an altar with this inscription, to an unknown God. So you are ignorant of the very thing you worship, and this is what I'm going to proclaim to you. And then in the next seven verses, he goes through the gospel message, or he tells them about who God is from Genesis to the resurrection of Christ, just in this one concise nutshell, telling them that God is the creator of heaven and earth. God is the one who created everything. He is not the universe. He created the universe. God is a loving God. He is a faithful God. He is one who who was from the beginning, and he'll be there after our end. And so this is who God is. You know God. God is our creator. Some would say, well, you know, I believe in, you know, the Big Bang or, you know, whatever these theories are. I say, oh, well, that's fine. You know what? I believe in the beginning, God. And so wherever you put your beginning, in the beginning, God, right? God fits right there. God fits into whatever, you know, theory that you want to put in there. And so God is um, large. He's in control. He has good thoughts for you. He's a holy God where there's no sickness. There's no grief. There's no shame. There's no condemnation 
with our God. This is who our God is. And so now you can say, I know him, because you've heard who God is. Number two, people don't believe that he hears them. They don't believe that God is listening. They don't believe that God is listening. You know, as humans, we are masters, literal masters of the pity party. We're masters of the pity party, you know. And so we'll make fun of Eeyore from Winnie the Pooh and say, man, how can anyone be like that? Well, I guess it's just not going to work for me. Nobody likes me. I'll never get that raise. I'll never get that promotion. And so if we said it in that voice, then people would be like, ah, and they would laugh at us. But we don't say it like that, right? We say it in our normal voice. We say it how we normally talk. And so, um, you know, and I don't want to make light of that. I don't want to make light of that pit of despair that people can get into. Um, You know, about eight years ago, my life just exploded um, due to my own um, gross errors, and I went into a major pit of despair. And um, it was one of those places where I would uh, just go in my room, turn off all the lights during the day, and just not want to talk to anyone. And so, unfortunately, I allowed, or fortunately, really, fortunately, I gave God an inroad into my life, and I started a business. And so it was one of those things where I had gone out, I had handed out some flyers, I had put some signs out, and then I went to bed, turned off all the lights, you know, done. And then the phone would ring. And so, okay, I'd have to get up, go help this customer, go and, you know, take care of whatever their issue was, go back home, turn off all the lights, close the windows, lay in bed in the dark. And then the phone would ring. Then I'd have to get up and go out and help this person, and then I'd go back and I'd go around, and then the phone would ring. And then, and then, so the phone keeps ringing to the point to where I can't stay down because God keeps poking me up. How I many you know that God knows where you are? And he'll use whatever you allow him to use to draw you back to him. You know, who would have thought that starting a business would be what God would use to steer my life in a direction that, you know, usually you think of people, you know, an entrepreneur spirit who's going to start a business, you know, they're going to, you know, take them one path, and God just goes, and takes you exactly where he wants you to be, if you allow him to. And so, you know, I don't want to make light of people being in tough situations because it is hard, but God hears you. God is always listening. You know, nowhere in the scripture does it say that God is not listening to us. Even when the people who God called were doing the exact opposite of what he had for their lives, he was still listening. He was still watching. He was still paying attention. And so if God is listening and paying attention anyways, talk to him. Talk to him. Hey, God. Thank you for waking me up today. Thank you for this day. What, you know, whatever you want to say. You know, talk to God. God is listening. And then the last, last point I have this morning, reason why people don't pray is because they don't feel worthy. They don't feel worthy. And unfortunately, whenever I say that, don't feel worthy, I hear Wayne's world in my head. We're not worthy. We're not, um, you know, 
Some things are just unfortunately burned into your head, into your skull as a kid, and you can't get rid of them. But people don't feel worthy, right? They don't feel worthy of God. Going back to Romans, where we started, Romans chapter 8, starting at verse 32 this time. He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies. Who then is it who condemns? No one. Christ Jesus, who died, more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake, we face death all day long. We are, all, we are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor death, nor anything in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. God loves you. God loves you. You know who he is. You know he's listening. You know he loves you. You wouldn't be sitting here today if it were not for the love of God. You wouldn't have had the things in your life if it were not that God was on your side. And so don't take that for granted. Don't take it as just like, well, you know, God loves me, so, you know, I don't have to do anything. Talk to him. Say, hey, God, help me. God, be a part of my life. Be a part of the things that I'm doing. Be a part of uh, what you've called me to do. You know, the scripture tells us that while we are, were yet sinners, Christ came and died for us. And so there's not a point that you could be in your life where God doesn't love you, where God isn't listening to you, where God isn't waiting for you to just open your mouth and say, Hey, God! And cry out to him. You can do that at any point. Any point. He wants to hear from you. Will you take the challenge to pray? Will you take the challenge to open your mouth and talk to God? Father God, we thank you for this morning. And I believe that each and every person under the sound of my voice heard the word, Father. And so I ask that the Spirit of God seal it in their hearts and cause them to come into a new understanding of what it means to pray and fast, what it means to talk to you, and what it means to lay aside things to have you more part of their lives. Father God, I just pray that you remind us of these things. Maybe it's in the night hours when our minds and our hearts are at peace and at rest. Help us to come into a greater understanding of who you are and what you have for our lives. In Jesus' name. Amen. Something I was thinking about this week as we were, as I knew this is what we we're going to talk about. I always thought about, I was talking to Keith just this Friday, and I was just like, I wish, you know, I was, I was just telling him, like, thankful that I had grandparents who prayed for me, because I am where I am today. 
I don't want to have to wait to be a grandparent to pray. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't want to have to wait till I'm like, my kids are out of school and everything. I, I want to be a person who prays now because God hears my prayers now just as well as he will in 20, 30 years from now. And so for you, where you're at right now, it's your point. Now is your time to start praying because God hears your prayers. And in James 5, 13, it says this. It says, are any of you suffering hardships? You should pray. Are any of you happy? You should sing praises. Are any of you sick? You should call on the elders of the church to come and pray over you, anointing you with oil in the name of the Lord. Such a prayer offered in faith will heal the sick, and the Lord will make you well if you have committed any sins. You will be forgiven. Confess your sins to each other. Pray for each other so that you may be healed. The earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. Amen? Your prayers change things. My prayers change things. As, as John Chris joked about in the video, my prayers, though, aren't any holier than your prayers. Your prayers are heard by the same God. So God hears your prayers. God hears your heart. God hears what you're going through. Your hardships, your struggles, God hears those things. And he, and he is good and faithful, and he will answer you. Can I, can I, uh, I'm going to be transparent and real. This week sucked. <laughs> Anybody been there before? <laughs> um, it was just a rough week. Rough week for me. And um, I'm thankful that we had this week coming up this Sunday because I knew what we were talking about. And as I thought of this scripture in James 5, are any, are any of you struggling from hardships? You should pray. And so this week, I prayed. I prayed and I prayed and I prayed and I sought after God and I continued to seek after God and when I felt like I was done praying, I prayed some more. And I'll tell you what, there's a scripture in Philippians 4 where it talks about, um, I think it's in Philippians 4 where it says, um, to, instead of worrying about everything, pray about everything. And when you do, the peace of God that surpasses all understanding will come upon you. And I'll tell you what, I haven't really had any answers, but I can tell you one thing I've got. I've had this peace this week. That is just better than maybe an answer to a prayer, if you get what I'm saying there. Some of you are dealing with hardships. God wants to give you that peace today. Could you stand with me, church? In your bulletins, we have a list of things where we would like you to maybe um, lit, write some things out, maybe write some names down. We have in there like government authorities, our civil authorities, to pray for those. How many of you know our government needs prayer? Amen? Our government needs prayer. So pray for President Trump. Pray for your mayor. Pray for the people who are in authority over you. Take this week also and pray for, pray for some people who are unsaved. We have a list in there to, to write down some friends, some family members who, who don't know Jesus. You know, I, I read that, I quoted that scripture in, in Romans 10, 13, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. But only the people who call on the name of the Lord will be saved. They're not saved from, you know, overeating after church today. They are saved from hell. That's what I believe, and that's what, this, that's what I truly believe. And so we have to understand to pray that our prayers for our unsaved friends make a difference because I was lost when I was in the seventh grade and my grandparents were still praying for me, but I found Jesus.
Your prayers for your unsaved friends and family will, will change lives. Prayer team, could you come forward? Can we, can we be uh, real and transparent here in this moment? If you're in this room right now and you're saying, Sean, I've had some hardship this week. I'm just going through a hard time. All right, I need prayer for healing. I need prayer for the long list of things. You just feel like you need prayed for. Would you, with some boldness in, your, in yourself, just raise your hand so I could see it? You're going through some stuff, and you just say, I need prayer. If we can't do it here at church and raise our hand, then probably not praying outside of here. So, Anybody else need prayer? Can we take a minute, and church, could you go and lay some hands on somebody? Maybe you see somebody who's need some prayer. Will you, will you um, lay your hands on them and pray for them real quick? Spirit of God, would you fall in this place today? Fall fresh on us, God. You see the, the people's hands who are raised, God. You, you know what's going on, and all of these things are no surprise to you. In fact, you, you defeated those things when you, when you went to the cross, and then when you rose again, you defeated those things. But God, in a realness right now, there may be people in this room who are struggling. There may be people who are hurting. But God, I, I pray the life of you would flow through them right now. Would you send your Holy Spirit down to flood, to fill hearts, to fill lives? Would you move in them, God, like never before? May it be a fresh wind, a fresh, a fresh fire inside them, God, right now. May they feel your Holy Spirit filling them. God, move right now. Praise you, Father. Lord, I pray if there's somebody in this room who needs healing, who raised their hand for healing, God, would you send your, whole, your, uh, your healing power down right now to heal, heal backs, to heal ankles, to heal knees, God. Would you, would you straighten necks, God? Would you do these things right now in the name of Jesus, bring healing down on lives? God, for the person who feels like throwing it in the towel, God, may they, may they, may they feel your love, your, your peace, God. Um, would you fill them up, Lord? Help them to see, God, you are more than enough for them. God, be with these people. Fill them up, Jesus. We need you right now. We're taking this moment to lay our hands on the sick, the hurting, God. We're believing that our prayers are effective. And God, that you are hearing us right now. In the name of Jesus, amen. Church, I know I called the prayer team to come forward, but if, if you maybe raise your hand, I don't, wanna, I don't want you to maybe just to stop right here. I would love for you to encourage, I would encourage you to come forward and get prayer from these guys. They are here. They are called a prayer team because they want to pray with you. I know that's surprising to some of you, but the prayer team wants to pray with you. And... Um, God hears the prayers just as well as your prayers. He hears their prayers. And so we just want to team up with you and pray alongside you. Pray that God's going to continue to move in your life. Can I pray for you one more time, church? God, I pray that as we go, that we would realize that we serve an unstoppable God. We serve you who is, in, who is unstoppable, God. And the only thing that can stop us is sometimes ourselves. 
God, may we be people who lean into you in our hard times, but God, as we lean into you, may people see the love of Jesus that is in us. God, I wonder what your church would look like if we would be people who prayed and prayed often, prayed daily, prayed hourly, every minute of every day, God, was seeking your face, praying for, praying for you to pour out your spirit on the church, God, what kind of church it would be. I feel it would be unstoppable, God, and that's what we want to be. Not for our own glory, but for the, for the glory of Jesus and for the kingdom of God. Move in us, God. Pray that as we go, we'd be a light. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you guys for coming. You guys have a great Sunday. We will see you guys next week. Before I bring my knees, I will bring my heart.